This just in. Welcome to 250, your weekly IMDb movie podcast, looking at the top 250 movies of all time. I'm Darren. I'm Andrew. And I'm Jason. And this week we're talking about Denny Villeneuve's Blade Runner 2049. Now when Andrew and I sat down to say we were going to do a podcast covering this latest entry on the IMDb 250, we had a list of names and candidates for guests. And we narrowed it down based on a very specific set of questions. Jay, you scored off the charts on our most likely guest for Blade Runner 2049. So I'd just like to confirm some details. Jay, you love movies that are over two and a half hours long, correct? Yes. Jay, you love the work of Ryan Gosling, correct? Don't wait for the translation. Answer the question. Jay, you love the work of director Denis Villeneuve. Yes. Jay, you love the original movie Blade Runner. Yes. As you can see, Jay was the perfect candidate um, to come in and talk to us a little bit about Blade Runner 2049. Oh, my eyes are blinking crazily. <laughs> yeah. Just ask our own boy comment. I did. I did. Yeah. Uh, look, look up into the left, Jay. We're fairly yeah. sure we've been landed with a replicant. All would become clear. Uh, but anyway, so what we'll do a little bit is, um, one of the interesting things about Blade Runner 2049, when we say interesting in inverted commas, is in this podcast we generally have a zone where we talk about spoilers, where we talk about the movie a great deal of depth, but we talk about it generally first in vague terms. Um, so... The thing with Blade Runner 2049 is before it was released, there was such a great amount of secrecy about what you could and what you couldn't talk about in terms yeah. of uh, what was actually covered in the film, what you could sort of say was in the film before it was released. Un- there was- yeah, unlike, say, Mother, where it, where we, which was also released recently, where I think the, the director and, and uh, star were t- talking openly about the, the, the themes, the the themes and, the, and the yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, the thing with Blade Runner is famously critics were issued with like notes of paper. Uh, you, you showed it to me yesterday. I uh, did. I got kind a of various redacted copy of it with different points in it. But yeah. Like the, well, the critics were told the before. absurd yeah, to some degree. When they sat say. down to watch the film, there were certain things they couldn't couldn't talk about about it. But did he have to sign it? Like, they, they, could, they kind of ignored it, surely. They didn't have to sign it. In fact, one of the statements from Warner Brothers was that no critic was ever meant to actually see this list. Instead, it was meant to be read aloud and mentioned in casual conversation before and after screening. It's thrown what? in as yeah, if it's not written down. Mean? Yeah. 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 Uh, when reading this out, make it seem like you're not reading it out. Yeah, make it seem like a casual thing between friends. <laughs> right? I hold the gun to head word for word. <laughs> How can you tell if these people aren't robots? Rehearsing in front Can we address something that I think we got terribly wrong in... In, in Blade Runner, where we, uh, we frequently kept, re- kept saying robots. Instead of replicants. I mean, we, we talked about how wrong we were there, and we just yeah. kept doing it. Also, <laughs> also, does it really matter? I mean, not I, really. I, I mean sorry, fan base, but, like, <laughs> but isn't this the whole thing of, you know, everybody getting really upset because they don't call walking dead walkers zombies or or the the frankenstein's yeah. monster yeah. is, who, is who, frankenstein who cares everybody knows what they are what they're kind, metaphorically yeah. what kind yeah. of zombie are they Sumatran rat monkey zombies are they um, rage virus monkeys yeah zombies but anyway the, the yeah. point stands um yes so we'll talk we're going to talk very vaguely about blade runner 2049 in case you haven't seen it we're going to adhere to the letter 
of that pod, of that letter, as much as we can see from the redacted. Harrison section. Ford was told not even to reveal what the names of his co-stars are. <laughs> yeah. well, the end result was that Harrison Ford was much more cooperative on the press corps than usual. Um, yeah, you'd just be so asked questions. Now so, it's released, it's largely irrelevant. Isn't it, it is largely irrelevant, but just before we get to the spoiler zone, so we'll just talk. Yeah, 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 no, that's fine. Just in case anybody listening yeah. hasn't seen it, and yeah. based on the box office returns, that seems highly likely. We're being over compliant. UK, of course, which yeah. leads to them quite well. It did actually. Because let's let's talk a little bit about this then. Because the thing about Blade Runner twenty forty nine is that it was very very well received on release. Like in terms of critical acclaim, I think it's still at ninety percent of Rotten Tomatoes. Remarkably positive yeah. uh, critical for particularly for a sequel and essentially a nostalgia sequel, which is what yeah. it is. I see Jay's lining up his position before we get to asking what he thought of the film. No, no, I'm actually <laughs> curious about how uh, the articles. And now I know I know it's a clickbait world, but how articles seem to announced the death of a film at the UK box office when it's been Actually. historically shown in the last few years well maybe yeah. that's not historically but you know in the last few years it's changed that the international box office really is what rules it yeah and if we may see a resurrection of Blade Runner 2049 as a, in China, a success example, yeah where, and even yeah. Like where it's going <laughs> elsewhere but yeah certainly China because it, it, it huge amounts of press um, huge amounts of coverage great positive reviews jumped right into the IMDb at number 50 it was in the top 50 movies of all 50. time I know it was higher than the original. It was almost as high as Dunkirk J. Almost as high. I'll take my glass off and rub the bridge of my nose in case anybody's wondering. <laughs> you can you can practically hear the palm impacting the face. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and then after all that hype, it landed almost dead at arrival at the U.S. box office with a return of I think under thirty-five million dollars, yeah. which is absurd to think of a movie that makes thirty-five million dollars in its opening weekend as a failure. Is it? Did it? Does it have legs in that context? Does it? Uh... Because was this the second weekend, right? Maybe it's a grower and not a shower. Up, so I wonder if it'll, um, if it will, if it will of, gain or hold. Like I mean, it doesn't have to hold too much to be. No, rather, I, like I mean, it, if the if they drop about seventy yeah. percent, it's in trouble. But it might hold. The 20, I thought there was a, I thought there was a growth in dystopian fiction in, in the United States <laughs> in the recent uh, yeah. past. Yeah. Well, it's probably um, too real. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, too the original moment, movie yeah. was was two years into a Donald Trump presidency. Um, but you're, you're, you're right. You're touching on something that's important though, because we were myself, Darren, uh, were discussing. And with Niall Phillip, uh, the, after the death of Stalin, uh, we saw it recently, and how some films may be released at the wrong time to some degree, yeah. that it might feel too real at certain points. That you know that kind of film, yeah, where we're just we need a break from that as opposed to relive it when you're in the cinema. Yeah, I mean, well, that, that's the argument is that you know you had the uh, the Batman movies that came out during the Obama presidency, you know, and you had that sort of that overlap, and you were able to be depressive and sort of solemn and, and yeah. sort of somber because things were considered to be relatively right outside. And now you're certainly relatively stable, anyway, yeah. at the very least. like Yeah. But I mean, part of me also wonders if, and I think Scott Mendelson at, uh, at Forbes made some very good points about the box office failure of Blade Runner 2049, which is, well, first of all, did Warners grossly overestimate the number of people who actually like Blade Runner? And I think that's a very important I think, question. I, I think that it might be said that that's possibly the case. Yeah. I mean, I... I'm not particularly its biggest fan. I quite like it. I mean, it's very stylish and there's, there's lots to like in it. And I rewatched it, obviously, in the context of this coming out. And it's fine. And it's, it's really well done. But it's not, in, to my mind, and I've, I've talked to quite a few people about it, it's not a masterpiece to me. I mean, myself and Andrew had the same conversation. I like it a lot more than I think Andrew did as well, the original Blade Runner. 
Alan yeah, Lee's, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't like it. I I, I think um, when like when uh, when Warner Brothers were were trying to figure out how many people are going to watch this movie, it's like, well, well, this guy recorded a podcast about it <laughs> with his friend, so that's two. Well, he did actually do get you. You went see it. I I did, but I I I don't know if I would have if I would have went to it uh, on on the basis of Blade Runner. Uh, if I wasn't doing a two fifty <laughs> podcast, and if this this movie, but I, um, without um, well, I suppose it's not spoiling, and I'm glad I did, um, watch it, um, in spite of uh, my kind of reservations about the first, which people will probably hear this and think, what are you talking about? You didn't like the first movie. It's it's a bit of a sacred cow. It's oh, it is. This is this yeah. is one of the things that really grabbed me on the internet. I think myself and Jay were talking to Grace actually about this, which was the sense to which the people who like Blade Runner can be a little off-putting, perhaps. To, to, yeah. They can be very vocal in their support of the film and very disparaging in their attitudes towards people who do not share their opinions of the film. I mean, you mentioned this before, though. I mean, you can extrapolate that to a lot of pop culture and a lot of like, TV and movies and stuff for Star similar Wars, reasons. Rick and Morty, even Rick and Morty which, is a, which makes me want to not get another season just to annoy the people that annoy it. Well, myself and Andrew, we really like Rick and Morty. Me too, but, I love it. But, but again, you have this this situation where McDonald's brought back Szechuan sauce oh, for a weekend and Rick and Morty fans didn't get as much as they wanted and so they basically went on like the kind of carnage that you would yeah. imagine in The Purge. They, yeah. they, uh, it's often a problem with McDonald's burgers that there's two um, that people take the pickles out, but now they have a burger that's just pickles, especially for for Rick and Morty. Pickle Rick. <laughs> yeah, but there is that sense I think of like there's a standoffishness when you talk about Blade Runner, and I think that there's a tendency to overestimate. Generally speaking, people who love film tend to disproportionately like Blade Runner. Casual fans or or people who are who like film and go to the cinema every week. They're less likely, I think, to like Blade Runner. They're sort of... Like, my mother and my father would not be big fans. Uh, I remember when we, t- when we talked about Blade Runner on the podcast, my first experience of Blade Runner was when I was in school at Airdon RT2. And we came in the following morning, the woodwork teacher's sta- staggering opinion of it was, so that's what all the fuss was about. Can anybody explain yeah. why, why that was so good? Um, and we had that, you have that sort of attitude, that sort of like general shrug from people who are not film fans. And though it's been rehabilitated... And those yeah. can reassess. I think that there's a tendency to mistake online chatter and online hype for and like actual interest. General, and I, I watched it with my wife who had never seen it before. So we said we watch it. Oh, I really want to rewatch it in the context of the new movie. If you like it, we'll go and see it. Yeah. Uh, and you end up seeing it. it with us. Yeah, because she was bored, completely and utterly bored by it. Yeah. And she know she likes sci-fi. She likes uh, kind of horror. She likes any kind of future, yeah. kind of dystopian kind of stuff. But she was bored, rigid by the whole film. And it's like, so you don't want to see 24 Night? It's like, no. It's that plus another 45 minutes. Yeah, well, exactly. And, and like, I, as I said, I quite like it. But it's like, I thought, you know, the way you revisit something every X amount of years. And you see if your opinion's Yeah, yeah. so I was watching Blade Runner with that regard. And it, it, didn't, it didn't change much one way or the other. It, it's fine. But perhaps no more than that. All right, well, I mean, so with, with that in mind then, what about Blade Runner 2049 then? What did you guys make of it just broadly, generally, without getting into too many specifics? I thought it was amazing. Yeah. Without going into too many <laughs> specifics, um, I feel like it deserves to be on the list. And I'm, I'm, um, I've, I've only seen it once. I've One or it. more of you may have seen it twice. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, so I and 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 I'm not the film critic either. So um, 
I I thought it was brilliant. I'd I'd recommend it to people. I would say that you'd probably have to watch the first movie um, in order for this to um, make any real sense. Yeah, um, and I, I, I yeah, and and I think it it's not it's not very careful to make sense or be accessible. So it it especially helps to have seen the first movie yeah. and to be to 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 be familiar with it. There there's that kind of um, thing in this movie in a in a kind of a twisty thriller they um it sometimes feels like they're 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 trying to to convolute things and to make you think like the likes of tinker taylor soldier spy a lot of people Ooh, kind of came careful what here you're on you're on dangerous ground even with the snowman coming out this weekend you're on dangerous ground Andrew. i love tinker oh, taylor right. soldier spy oh, that was but the it, they, it's <laughs> it's um it it it's for me just about kind of as much convolution as as I can um, still kind of grasp, <laughs> and even walking away from it, I like um, I was like I totally got that movie, and then I spoke to somebody about it, and they disagreed, and then I was like I'm going to read the book just to be sure, and I was kind of wrong <laughs> about sort of things. But you were just right enough. <laughs> yeah. Just fine. All right. So yeah. with that ringing endorsement in mind, Jay, what did you make of 2049? Okay, um, I've been thinking about this for the last uh, about 20 hours or whatever since I saw it. I mean, it felt like it was 20 hours when we were watching it. I've had a tendency in the last couple of weeks, I've watched, um, we mentioned a briefly Mother and um, A Ghost Story, which were, again, critically acclaimed films that have come out. In case you can't see it, Jay's eyebrows are touching the ceiling. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm really, really getting tired of being that guy. Complaining about oh. films. Honestly, I, I, I'd like to love these things. You like, don't have to be that guy, Jay. Well, There's I wouldn't be time. if they made better films, Darren. All right, then. But uh, it's so not too much know. to ask. Yeah. I, I thought it was just about okay. All right. I mean, maybe it's too long by a significant margin. I mean, significantly so. You could have locked off at least 45 minutes and I would have been very happy. Or happier. Interesting. I, I am lukewarm on this compared to Andrew. I, I like it a lot, but my issues with it are not the length. I actually really like the length of it. I think that if really, the, yes, I think the um, wow. if the first Blade Runner was like a tone poem, then this is like a tantric Euro dance remix. Yeah, and it doesn't matter how like <laughs> long Jason, Jason's got it is. In his head. It's 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 what you do with that length. Oh, it yeah. does matter how long it is. I'm afraid. I am. Um, <laughs> Darren, we, we, we've discussed uh, length of films on many occasions and you're uh, oft quoted... Uh, the Ebert, Ebert maxim, yeah. which is that no good film is too long and no bad film is short enough. And I think this, the latter applies here to some degree. I don't, I'm not saying it's necessarily it's bad, but I'm certainly not saying it's good. And we'll get into it, the specifics of the whys and wherefores when we go when on. We actually, but, when uh, we can talk about I it. Wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't particularly a fan as it goes. Yeah, I like the fact that if we were to summarize the film at this point in the podcast, we would say it is a movie. Yes, <laughs> it was directed by Denis Villeneuve, and, last and there are mixed hours. opinions. Yeah, it runs yeah two hours and forty three minutes. Yeah, and things happen. It's that a sequel. Yes, to a movie called Blade Runner. Yeah. Um, okay, I, I quite enjoy it. I don't think it belongs on the list. I it, it doesn't. It really doesn't. Andrew, Andrew, just staring. I think it belongs more than Blade Runner does, personally. But I, 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 I don't think either of them do. But I, I 
probably put Blade Runner on before I put the my, 49 on. Myself and Darren were having a conversation <laughs> about Star Wars, which is entirely out of the blue. I just texted Darren. Well, it wasn't entirely out of the blue for me, but it must have been for him because <laughs> I was in the Disney store <laughs> walking around kind of like... Of course you were. Um, yeah, because... You don't like, need to excuse it. Why fun. not? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, w- I, was, I was shopping for... In, in case I ever get nieces or nephews... Like, it's good to have that it's stuff good on to stock. know kind of where these places are and it's true. yeah um so <laughs> that's my so 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 yeah I, I i was looking around and of course a large part of the disney store now is uh lucasfilm stuff so you've got all the Howard the Duck and um, sorry. Um, of course, that's where you enforce that. Right? Yeah, no, the, practically printing money. But I was the saying, wall I, was, to- I was saying to Darren, I was like, Rogue One is the best Star Wars movie, right? And and also, uh, The Force Awakens isn't really very good at all, is it? And Darren was like, strong disagree, wrong wrong on both accounts. The best uh, Star Tra- uh, Star Wars movie is Empire. Empire and um, Jay's looking at me Jay thinks I'm it's afraid Jay thinks The Force Awakens is the better the best Star Wars yeah. film for me it's, is Return to Jedi I think I think uh, you argued that The Force Awakens was third third and that the um, Rogue One is fourth which I guess would make Return of the Jedi like fifth fifth Wow. Well, like are six other... behind the the uh, It's everything with the train at the end. You just basically the... take them off. They're like remainders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, don't, they don't count in any conversation. But um, it's actually funny. Myself and Jay were talking about this because we were talking about, the, we were, for some reason, we were talking about the IMDb. And Jill, every Star Wars film at some point or another has yes. been on this list. Right. Even the even the Phantom Menace. Even the Christmas special. Yeah, somehow, <laughs> and it probably. Oh, goodness. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you joke, but the Terminator 2 ride at Universal Studios has been on the list. Oh, my God, I believe you. I don't even know, but I believe that. <laughs> the, um, um, but anyway, so you were saying about... Yeah, they, um, but that that just goes to show that I, I, I do not kind of, I guess, re- represent the... Soulless minions of orthodoxy? Yeah, I guess I I I and on on unless it unless it applies to certain things because I hate all of the Star Trek movies because I'm too <laughs> attached to the old ones. So yeah, they, they, you're I, quite clear in what you see, and that's yeah, that. Like. Yeah, exactly. And um, make no apology for it. I would say no. And I'd say um, the next step for Jay is is to make the true foe move. Where you you move from being a critic to a filmmaker, where you find that all of the <laughs> all of the movies suck, and you are, it's you like, are no longer invited to the well, film Jay, because of your opinions. Let's see if you can do better, and then you there, totally there's every, do. There's every chance I would not be able to do better. <laughs> um, all right, so I think that sort of settles that on that front. So Andrew is a strong booster of uh, 2049. He thinks it belongs to the original Blade Runner, doesn't? And and I'm coming off hot. Like I, I've I've just I've I just came out of seeing it, and I, I think I saw it in the right way as well. If I was, oh, if on I a was, big screen. yeah, if I was telling anyone to watch this movie, don't wait for it to to, to come, come out on. in Blu-ray or because it looks absolutely don't beautiful. buy it, which is more say, likely. Can I just say though? I mean, that I've had this argument before on various films, including I, the last one we talked about. I think as well, if this is the same argument. Yeah, on the big screen movie. thing. Yeah, it's like it should still be all inspiring at home if it's all on spine in the cinema mm. like I mean yeah, no, you know, to see a film a certain way that's fine I mean we saw it in the iSense one which is pretty big and it wasn't in 3D either which is always good yes uh, so we saw it like 2D pretty loud big screen great but I mean there's no argument for 
from from my uh, kind of way of seeing it that if it's underwhelming at home, it's nothing to do with the visuals. It's more to do with the film. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I would suggest. Mm. I, I would I would argue that like Blade Runner twenty forty nine is going to be like a standard setting disc. It's going to be the, like for the next five years. The eleven re- versions we're going to get of it if uh, Blade Runner is going to go away. Yeah, but but I imagine that this is a film you're going to see playing in shop from windows for the next five or. 10 oh, years. you're selling TVs with. Yeah, that's. I exactly, mean, that's exactly it, yeah right. It totally. is an absolutely beautiful film. Like it looks fantastic. I reckon even on a home media setup, it will look. I might, I might have a few things to say about that when we get into it, yeah, which will, you know, again, I, something that I've brought up before, but I, we'll 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 get there. All right. Yeah, I mean, it, it's either watch it in the cinema or if you have like twenty or thirty grand, just just get it, get 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 the get the correct um, home cinema setup. And um, if I got a home cinema setup, I'd never go near a multiplex ever again. <laughs> but anyway, that's a different art. Jay hates films and Jay hates cinemas. <laughs> but the problem with <laughs> problem with films is there's so many people in them. It's yeah. true, so true, Andrew, so true. Yeah, I feel it's like it's the same problem with cinemas. I feel like I feel like we made the right choice in inviting Jay on this podcast. I am Cartmanland. <laughs> <laughs> So we have we have Andrew who thinks it's a classic, who thinks it belongs on the list more than the original Blade Runner. We have Jay who thinks neither of the Blade Runners belongs on the list. And myself then, to round it out, would probably argue I liked Blade Runner 2049 a lot. I think it's beautiful. I think it's stunning. I would recommend seeing it. I'm very disappointed with the box office results because I would like more blockbusters that look like this. We'll probably talk about that a bit more later on. But I would say the original Blade Runner belongs on the list. This one doesn't. In okay. large part because, to me, it feels like a secondary work. It feels like... The original Blade Runner was transcendental and amazing. This one is in, in some ways trapped, I think, by being a sequel. In fairness, though, I, I mean, I'll, I'll just retract to some degree. I mean, I, I've no real argument with Blade Runner being on the list. Yeah. It wouldn't be on my list, I suppose. It's probably mm. more accurate there. Uh, I mean, there's a lot worse films than Blade Runner on the top 2050. I mean, good God, the you're breaking in the 20s. It's great when we have guests on the podcast. We realise... The, the folly of what we've been on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I feel that's my cheer. That's what, that's what I bring to so, I admire your folly, guys. Someday soon, you guys are going to have to talk about Forrest Gump. <laughs> and you'll have to live with that. I kind of want an invite after that one. Actually, I would actually, because I haven't watched that in about 20 years. All so right. I would, yeah. I'd, I'd seen it in the cinema that I saw it briefly, like soon enough after. Yeah. And I haven't seen it since. All right, well, well, Jay I, is already volunteered. I was not a fan back then, I want to say. So this this grumpy Jay always existed. This isn't something that's just been kind of worn down. He's, I want to he's sort that of busted out more yeah. than sort of yeah, worn yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, in that mind, then, we will segue neatly into the spoiler zone, where we will talk about the film in a bit more depth and talk about all the things that we weren't supposed to talk about before the film was released. So with that in mind, if you haven't seen the film, we would recommend going to see it blind, I presume. Yeah, yeah, I think mo- mo- most movies should just, like, buy a ticket then. Um, is blank <laughs> and has has a serial number on it. Whatever happens to be a showing at the time, yeah. just get in there. Well, we've 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 shown that it's 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 possible to to even release a podcast based on like very very little kind of uh, criteria. Is it the worst movie of all time? Yes. Is it the best movie of all time? Yes. Why not? <laughs> is it a movie? Yes. Um, but yeah, and I think Belnuv has talked about this. Belnuv has said like he was very happy with the lack of spoiler marketing because he his favorite experience was sitting on the jury of a film festival where he would not know what was being screened and he would not know what genre it was. He would not know how long it was. He not even know what language. That's it was. all well and good, but I mean, there's a lot of like that's not the same as 
getting walloped for advertising for weeks and then then going to see something and not getting it spoiled. You know, it's not the same yeah. thing. You know, I, I know what he's getting at, but it's not quite not right. quite a plot. But anyway, all right. So we'll we'll segue neatly then into the sports. Segue away. Yes, the spoiler zone. <laughs> Let's spoil some things. All right, so Jay. <laughs> it's very <what>? apropos. <laughs> so Jay. Andrew. Darren. <laughs> Darren. <laughs> I'm Darren, Jay. Yes. Go on. So Jay. Yes. What was Blade Runner 2049 about for you? Well, I presume, having watched it, that Blade Runner 2049... Is about the exact same thing Blade Runner was about. You know, we we yearn to be human, etc., etc. I like the positivity that you bring to the, this well, as the human condition. I don't. Yada, yada, I'm yada. not sure it extends the kind of themes any more than Blade Runner did. Uh, okay, I that, would argue. I think it does. I think it, it's okay. Sort of, I think yeah. It, like, uh, one of the things I liked about it is how it broadens like Blade Runner in in several ways. Like my big issue with it. Well, I have several issues with it, but we'll talk about those in a bit more depth. But what I like is, I like that it broadens both the world of Blade Runner, both literally and figuratively, in that you go outside Los Angeles and you see a world that exists beyond the skyscrapers. But I like also that you have this sort of um, exploration and this sort of theme pushed even further. Like, you have these wonderful thematic inversions, for me, between Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049. In that, like, Blade Runner is fundamentally about this idea of, like, memory and identities. The idea yes. that if you give these people memories, they will end up feeling more human. And they will end up having a connection, they'll end up having continuity, yeah. they'll end up having tether. One of the things I like about Blade Runner 2049 is that it sort of inverts that a little bit by saying, well, look, if you take away memory, so if you have this instant like the blackout where everything's wiped, if you have this idea that people can't trust their memories, like, for example, the lead character, K discovers that obviously he knows his memories are false from the start. He comes to believe they're real and then discovers they're fake. Somehow he still has an identity at the end of it. So you have this sort of wonderful idea of, like, almost inverting it. And, like, the journey in the original Blade Runner was this idea of Deckard, who in theory was a man, who may have actually been a replicant. Like, yeah. the, you know the big debate. That yeah, have. Like, but he it, wasn't. It doesn't, but the, it doesn't really matter. But the, from what I read, he wasn't. But anyway, yeah, yeah I take it. Like, I mean, Ford argues he wasn't, Scott argues he was, and the, the debate continues. And I think one of the interesting things is that 2049 preserves the ambiguity of that. Like, it makes a point not to answer that particular question to avoid confirming whether Deckard is or is not a replicant. In that, like, I love that there's a scene early in the movie where Edward James almost shows up to say, you know, I kind of still think Deckard's a replicant. Because... He had that look in his eyes, you know, like a replicant. Yeah. And he was retired, you know, like we do to replicants. And you have that bit later on where Jared Leto's like, I'm going to talk very slowly in a staccato rhythm about how you don't know if you were designed for that purpose. And so on and so forth. You have that sort of back and forth. You have that ambiguity. But, like, if the journey of the original Blade Runner was Deckard, who is human, coming to question whether or not he was really human, I like that in, in Blade Runner 2049 you have essentially the opposite version, where history's greatest acting robot, Ryan Gosling, goes from the journey <laughs> of discovering that he... From knowing he's a robot to believing he's a real-life boy to essentially doing the most human thing imaginable and dying for, you know, a good cause, which is love. Like, I like that you have the reverse journey. I like that you have I, that symmetry between the two. I respectfully disagree, though. Um... I think really what you're talking about there, and, and I, I take your points on board, 
are plot points, really. I mean, don't, I don't it's think it's. I don't, it's no, I don't. I don't. I. I know what you're saying, but I. I don't think I. He didn't bring that to a point where I go ah. He's taking something and moving it out into a kind of where it, it's kind of it, this is what the film is about. Yeah. If this is telling you what's happening, and then it's telling you what's going on, and then it's a slow pauses and looks out the window and stuff like that. It, to me, it's not very creative in that way. I don't. I, I don't feel it as in that this is the theme that he's getting at. I think that these are the things that the plot essentially drives towards, but doesn't really get there. So you say you didn't you didn't feel it. Did what? you did you think it? I mean oh, okay. as 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 in like the distinction I'm making is is um if this didn't have if this didn't provoke an emotional response. Did it um uh, from, from testing Jay <laughs> did, to see if he's a replicant. <laughs> There's a lot of this going around. Yeah. Did, did, um, did it did it make you think about your consciousness and your identity and No. No. Not really. I, the only thing I took from it is the same kind of thing I took from Blade Runner is that as Darren mentioned that kind of idea of memory and if you have this memory anger, yeah. yeah that this makes you more than the sum of what you're supposed to be which was yeah. off off earth con the robots yeah. mining or whatever the original idea was yeah. like regardless of what uh, K is which is essentially designed to hunt down replicants even though he's a replicant yeah. it's to me, it's essentially the same thing with plot points around it. Right. Do you know, it's expanded in how you say yeah. in terms of visually. and But, but, I, but somebody made a point, and I just, I'll finish it before you jump right in and disagree with me, um, that as a visual director, Villeneuve uh, is akin to Zack Snyder in the sense that he will show you lots of visual things, but he doesn't really have a vision. He has a vision. He just doesn't have vision. Interesting. I, and I'd probably agree with that. And it's probably why I think uh, yeah. uh, Deacon won't win an Oscar <laughs> again, actually. But, uh, why Deacons won't win an Oscar? Yeah, but won't win it with him. Yeah. Uh, well, also because it's a genre film, I said. Well, yeah. Uh, I think that, yeah. Film but he could, he could get it. I mean, of course he could get it. He's, you know, he, he's like, I don't think anybody would argue that. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not a big fan of people getting it for the wrong things. And we'll go back, go back to your team stuff and I'll, we'll get into the kind of cinematography thing, which I have a couple of things to say about, of course. Yeah, the I guess interesting couple of points. It was, it was one that this didn't was that the movie didn't really have thematic weight. I completely disagree with that, but on a very kind of personal level, and it might be because I sometimes question my own humanity <laughs> and and think kind of like what 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 makes me what what makes me more than like a a, a, a physical a kind bag of, of flesh bag of water, flesh yeah. yeah and i i like and and i wonder how universal a question this this is for people do do people find themselves doubting that they that they have have a soul or questing for some kind of confirmation that there is this oh, yeah. this spiritual kind of side to them that they are more than a because that for me more than anything was what this movie made me think about and uh what this movie kind of awoke in in me is that a word (laughs) awakened yeah in 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 me that 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 kind of questioning um because that's what uh, Kay is going through in this movie and I feel like he can be 
a proxy for the audience, even though he has this very, I think it's, it. for some people it'll be very identifiable where, where um, he is a replicant. It's very apparent that, that, that he is a replicant. And um, I think to, to... It's very effectively established early on in the film. Yeah, with references yeah. to skin jobs and like, everybody, graffiti on his apartment. Yeah, it's, not, it, it's no secret to anybody. Yeah, that, there's no ambiguity here, yeah. in yeah. that sense. Everybody can see just by looking at him, it seems. What he that, is. What, 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 what he is. And yeah, but the, nobody the, seems to recognise him as looking like Ryan Gosling from the past. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, get into this All movie. those movies were lost <laughs> in the great blackout. That's, yeah, yeah where, like, get the DVD. nobody sees him on the street and says... Out of the way, gorgeous man. Yeah. <laughs> Out of the way, most perfect human being. Just Why don't you perform some dances, la la la? Can I take something up there? You're, I think you're right in, in context. I think I think Blade Runner gets at what you're talking about because Scott as a director, at least then, had a sense of wonder and there's a sense of kind of wonder in that film. And I think, oh, I watched the final cut before. Yeah. And it's just the uniform well, sequence and stuff. Was, yeah. You know, the... the, the yeah, where, yeah, where the Edward James almost character Gant, I think, or Gant, is it? Yeah. Shows in the unicorn, which implies yeah. that De- he knows Deckard's dreams, yeah. which implies that Deckard is a replicant. Yeah. So there, I think I think it, it really gets at something in that film, and it's, it's perhaps the strongest part of the film. But I think Villeneuve is not the director Scott was, if you want to put it that way. Villeneuve, he, he, he kind of replaces wonder with dread, and that music, and that look. Yeah, and I, and I think that dampens down that idea that is going for me I would go a bit further like I, I really like the themes and, and part of what I liked about the themes you said it didn't deepen or broaden the, the themes for me it didn't and I mean I, I think you're you're right in that sense in that it doesn't necessarily add something new and that, that's why I wouldn't add it to, to the list I don't think yeah. it's a transcendental masterpiece I liked it a lot and what I liked about it was that it took themes that were buried I think rather deep in Blade Runner like because one of the big we talked about this when we talked about Blade Runner on the podcast right I'm not a huge fan of like fan theories of themselves because I think there's a tendency to reduce films to plot and yeah. to riddles to be solved and enigmas to be sort of wrapped up. Like for Just me, sometimes leave things alone. Yeah, like like I, and I like the ambiguity of Blade Runner, and I don't think it's a puzzle box to be solved. Like I don't. Think, I agree. I, agree. I don't. I'd think, let it wash over me to some degree. Yeah. I don't think that there's a correct answer to his Deckard or yeah. I don't think it's a binary yes or no question. I think the the point of Blade Runner, what, what really worked for me in Blade Runner, was asking the question, like. Even if he was not manufactured by the Tyrrell Corporation, is he still basically a replicant? Because he's a guy who does his job, who murders people, who's instructed, who like does as he's told, who follows orders, who conducts brutal violence, yeah. like who doesn't have a personal life, who doesn't yeah. have any human connections. Just, so like even if he yeah. was born, is he equivalent to a replicant? And one of the things I like about Blade Runner twenty forty nine is that it basically asks that question in reverse. It basically says, look, K definitely unequivocally 100% is a replicant he was made and not born which is the line that recurs throughout the film but if he does if he acts if he behaves if he thinks like a person does it actually matter that he's not and I think that's when I said when I said it inverts I think the themes of Blade Runner and the idea of Blade Runner is that you have and you're right that it's not a huge innovation you're right that it's it's not new or exciting in fact it's it's the equivalent of a Mad Max Fury Road going one direction and a turn around going the other direction. It it's fun and it's diverting, but it's not particularly. It's not deep in the in the context of where Blade Runner comes from. I don't I, think. I well, I think I think it explores like a depth of the original film that's glossed over. Like, and I think that like one of the things I like about 
again, when we talk about what I like about Blade Runner is the ambiguity itself, not not the answer yeah. to the question. Yeah, I agree. I, I know, I completely agree with that. And I think that, like, I like that this movie basically runs with the idea that the question, the existential question, is worth asking and repeating. But can I just make one point about yeah, plotting in it before? Yeah. And do you could probably jump in after that? Yeah. Um, we're talking. You're talking about the inversion of that idea that he. Like where where it's if a, person is a, ro- right? if a person's a, rep- a robot, does it matter that they're yeah. flesh and blood? If a robot but, is, but if a you're, person. but when I mentioned plotting in terms of build up in this film, um, what we get is a kind of initially equivocally clearly a, a replicant, right? It, yeah. It's kind of established fairly early on, no kind of ifs or buts, but then that that kind of somewhat changes, right? But how it changes is where I have problems within the film because what he's doing essentially is is the old uh, razzle dazzle in the sense that. It's quite clear that it's into movies inching you towards a certain okay. well, way. Well, right? let's talk about We're talking the spoilers, though, so we can be frank. Yeah, like, right. There's a point in the movie where Kay begins to suspect that a memory yeah. that he's always had, which is the memory of a horse in a furnace in an orphanage, may actually not be a memory that was implanted in his head, but maybe a memory from his own childhood. But, it goes, but it goes, I'd go back further than that, though. I'd go back to the autopsy of the bones, where it's quite clear, once he mentioned that there was a male child, I think, they don't actually. They don't well, mention the male child. They mentioned a child. Yeah, they mentioned the a child. Yeah. That it's quite clear that that's what it's doing. I, I like my thing was at the time. I remember watching it going, "Oh, okay, they're going to do a, a chosen such and one such as uh, a chosen one now." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to be what? either Harrison's son's fourth son, or he's not. I didn't right? get that until six ten twenty one. Well, we're going to. Oh, we're going to Let's let's talk about this because this is actually the, the plot of the film substantially, yeah. and this is like my big issue with Blade Runner 2049 I love the themes I actually love the length which we'll probably talk about in a little bit of time what I don't like is the plot and even when I don't like I don't the plot either. when I don't like the plot I like elements of the plot so what I like about the plot is I like okay let's talk about what I don't like about the plot I don't like a chosen one narrative in general one of the things I liked about the original Blade Runner was that it was a narrative about a guy's hold on Andrew I know what you're going to jump in and say <laughs> how do you <laughs> yeah because um, I can see inside your head and I build a little origami shape uh, <laughs> but yeah, you see, you're just confirming what I had thought. I'm not real. <laughs> you're, it's it's like the second movie. Yeah. You're 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 answering all of my questions. And basically, the joy is that you have to circle round now and prove that you are. But no, like I I don't like chosen one narratives. In well, okay, the thing about I like that I just said I like Star Wars. I don't like chosen one narratives. The thing about the original Blade Runner that I really liked is the fact that it was just basically a day or a couple of days in the life of Harrison Ford's character. Yeah. It wasn't like a big, huge, momentous, like world-changing moment. It was more like, I this is a story of a guy. Yeah, this is a, guy, a story of a guy who lives in this world and this world is like this. This is what he does. He's done this before. He's retired. He's doing it one last time, but it's no big deal. It's not going to like change the world or like... But it takes the film noir narrative and but, but, hangs it over. But him it's, and that it's, kind of... it's, the story is relatively low-key and the story in the original think, Blade Runner is I think that would be the same if you just followed Harrison Ford around. Just in general. Lots of drinking <laughs> and Smoking violence. more pot, yeah. maybe, but, but, but just as surly. Yeah. And Actually, it says, I'll do one last one. Yeah. <laughs> one last sequel of Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, but I do... Like, that's what I really liked about the original Blade Runner. What I don't like about Blade Runner 2049 is that it stitches on this narrative. And we'll, we'll talk about the particulars of the narrative, because the particulars of the narrative are interesting. But broadly speaking, it tacks on this epic narrative, this idea that society is going to crumble, that there's a replicant revolution in waiting, that is awaiting a messiah figure, which is just, it's the most cliche. <sighs> yeah. yeah, I can hear Jay sighing here. I know, I it's a good reason, but it doesn't follow it through either, like... Well, that's actually, that's yeah. what I like about it. Well, I presume, 
Yeah, like it's it's setting it up for the, the well, Matrix actually, revolutions or whatever you want to call it. According to Hampton Francher and according to Michael Green, the writers, they're saying it's not setting up a sequel. And like, but then it's just bad, okay, bad well, putting no, the films. Yeah. So, so you, you know what I'm thinking and yes. you know what question I have, but you haven't answered it yet. Yes, because I'm, I'm building to it. And like, my point I'm is, curious now. Yeah. So right, and the issue is you have this really wonderful, excellent twist in there, which is something I really like. Where it's revealed that, like, despite the fact that you spend the first hour and a half thinking that Ryan Gosling is going to be the chosen, no, you don't, don't, and I'll get to that. Okay. Oh, okay. I, I, that, that this is where my problem is. I, you I go and finish. And I quite say. like that the twist in the movie is that he discovers he's not, and yeah. like that was like I really like that aspect of that inversion of the narrative and the idea that like instead of the robot revolution, you end up with this reunion of father and daughter. I like that aspect. I think the problem might be that Jay has seen too many movies. I think it might have been two minutes into this and it's like, oh, so he's going to turn out, he's going to think that he's the guy and then then he's going to realize he's not the guy. Yeah, at the point of the autopsy, I'd have like, okay, they're setting up the the Harrison Ford, uh, Ryan Gosling, Deckard, Kay, father son thing right yeah that's it and it and it leans heavily on that for quite a bit of time yeah and the imagery and the kind of push towards it and the memories yeah. and the the framing the, the, the yeah all that right yeah. that's fine i don't mind that and i would have had more respect for the film if it had followed through with that to some degree be, I, and i'll tell you why because once you get to a certain point in the film and i, I think it's initially when he, he sees the date on the bottom of the tree yeah and then he finds the, he remembers the, the thing and then yeah. he finds the thing and he finds the the horse yeah it's a horse. It is a horse. It, it is a horse. Should be a, a unicorn. It, right? No, but it's anyway. a unicorn without the horn. Yeah, it probably is. It's a miracle. Like I, a mer- the idea is that it's a miracle that's not a miracle. So it's yeah. a unicorn. But with I, once you get I, to that I point, believe it was actually a wooden horse. Yeah, but yeah, thanks, 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 I thought that first. I was like, that horse is tiny. This is some bad CGI. But once you get to that point, and he finds it, and and there's there's a conversation he has, but about five minutes before the conversation he has, but it's really not. It's quite clear that he's not to me in the sense that because how films are constructed, particularly, and I sound like old man Kyle here these days, um, with their rock and with roll their, and with their, their hip hop and their, their Ryan Gosling, with their like, there had to be a thing because yeah. there's always a thing. So once you realize there's going to be a thing, then that's the only thing it can be. And it actually, it's not a cheat. It's a cheat in the sense that it's not a good twist for I me. I thought it was a good twist. Though. I thought it was. Banal, quite okay. frankly. And that's a both me. Right. Like, I like the subversion of the Chosen One narrative, but I didn't like that we got two hours of a Chosen One yeah. narrative. But I was narrative. looking at the Chosen One nar- narrative in that regard, and going, will he have the nerve to actually follow through with that and actually have it and do something with that? Because there's ambition in that. I'm glad he didn't. But, but anyway, but I think, sorry, yeah, sorry that, Magic One. That's, that was... You You hit the nail on the head, Darren. Yeah. <laughs> it took me not dying, but I got be- it. Because yeah. you designed me in a lab. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So you, you, um, you knew you knew that I was going to say. Surely, if 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 you're not drawn to the chosen one narrative, you must have enjoyed the inversion and of I the did. chosen one narrative, I really and did. you did. I really and, did. And, and the, the Jay Jay saw the chosen one narrative, and it's like, oh, of of course it's going to be that. Probably next thing is they're going to invert it. Yeah. Nobody else think that. That there are basically three stages of like film viewer in this podcast. There's Andrew who's willing to take the film as it goes. There's Darren who gets as far as the first twist. It's like, oh my god, not the second twist. I hope they invert it. Yeah, and it's like good. But and Jay's there going. Do not suspect the, that, Darren. 
Like, I, did, did you not get no inkling that it's obviously it's not going to be him? I, because you have to do a thing. I didn't think it was obviously going to be him, but I suspected that it would turn out to be the girl. And yeah. particularly because the girl twist had been done in The Dark Knight Rises. Which, yeah, um, plus she'd already told him about the memories and the thing. Yeah, and, 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 and she had a little tear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, but they, I think that's well set up. I think that's more good set up than, like, bad twist hiding. No, no, that, I don't mind that, actually. You're, you're probably right. I'll give it that. I, it, I didn't mind that particular sequence, yeah. and I think it's quite effective in what comes after. But When we the say the girl, do we mean Angel? The, 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 the woman in the glass. The woman in the glass. Because there, 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 there are many crying women. women in, there there in, are many crying... Well, we'll in, talk about this in a second. Oh, yes, this movie there's and, plenty more to and, say about that. And, yes, the, and, and crying people. Yeah. Um, so just just to be clear, yeah, we're we're talking about the uh, the the woman in a bubble, the the memory designing woman, right? But just to, to finish off on on uh, how this in the construction of it, I think Villeneuve thinks plots are themes, a lot of the time, and his themes because of that are quite clunky, quite obvious, and quite clanging when it goes against that, and I think that's a, a real problem in his filmmaking. Yeah, well, let's. Talk a bit about Villeneuve just a little bit because yeah. the, the, the Villeneuve is basically the two fifties Denny Villeneuve at this point. Yeah, he was. It's all his films, I imagine, bar Enemy are there. Like in the well, terms oh, of the his American second wave, yeah, his, yeah, his yeah, second wave. Yeah. Everyone bar Enemy is on there. His and best one. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> oh, man, well, perhaps his shortest. Yeah. 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 Not well. coincidentally. No, not coincidentally at all. But um, our first podcast was Prisoners. Our first this just in was Arrival. So you know we have a bit of an interesting relationship with Matthew. Yeah. And. How did we shake up on that as a matter of interest? Arrival or... or So I've seen Prisoner, I've seen Arrival. I think, is Sicario one of his? Yes. Yes. It is. And I've seen this. And I think that's it. And so far... I mean, there there are things that I wasn't mad about uh, about this movie, but so far this is my favourite. And I would probably put Sicario second... I might put prisoners in arrival either third or fourth. Um, varying their all. Yeah. But like one of the things I think Jay is right when he said Villeneuve is a director who is very good at directing. Who has? Who has? He, who is? Well, how would you say? That he I is, said he, is, he, he he has a vision, but I don't think he has vision. Yes, I think that may be a good way to describe. I, I stole that from somebody on Letterboxd, by the way. And so I'm not. I Adam, somebody I can't remember his name, so I'm not. Claiming as my own, but it's it, too late now. But it heard. worked. But it did work you, for what my use purpose. Words that we've all heard of yeah. before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I wasn't particularly mind that. But it, it, it summed and up I, exactly what I, I wanted that's to say. A about fair point to make because one of the things about Villeneuve, um, and I, we we had a discussion a while ago about directors who we think have masterpieces in them but haven't got there yet. Yes. And Villeneuve, I think, is a director who will eventually produce a masterpiece. Um, however, I think that. So far in his filmography, Villeneuve's best films have been films that are not in his own voice. So they've been films like Sicario, which which I is my personal favorite, he, and your second favorite. He he can't even make up how his name. He he can't even decide how his name is pronounced. Um, well, is, no, is, it it, is it Villeneuve? Is it Villeneuve as the, the yeah. race driver? So that's I'm what I was thinking, that. and I'm yeah. not changing. <laughs> I'm too old to be changing how I pronounce surnames <laughs> in anymore. And apparently, this, in this day and age, they get what they get. And it is Denis, isn't it? It is, is Denis. I'll, I'll accept Denis because you know. Yeah. I will take Denis. People get to decide their own names. I am taking Denis. Okay. I like it. I like yes, it. topical humor, folks. Yeah. Although it's yeah. not really funny, but anyway, go on. But I like that topical, but not humor. Topical, but you know. 
devastating in this world, but yeah, anyway, uh, yes. Yeah, we are living in the world of 2019. Indeed. Um, but anyway, my, my point is more that Villeneuve works very well for me interpreting other others' visions. So, like, if you look at Sicario, that's very much, it's not, I would argue it's not really his film. It's more Tyler Sheridan's film in that it belongs yeah. with I, I, I have problems with Sicario. Yeah. I have problems with all the films, yeah. pretty much. I, I like some to better, more varying degrees than others. But as I said, I really like Enemy. It's it's really strong, and I think it's based on something else as well. If I remember correctly, a novel yes, or something. I think it is. Yeah. Um. So in terms of somebody else's work, I think that yeah. might be a, a fair point. Um. And I this have, this as well, obviously, is I think a very Ridley Scott film. Like it's they took it away from Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott is, was working on Covenant at the same time. It's probably but a good thing though. In there, <laughs> Scott. It's been a while since Scott knocked one out of the park. Like. I like The Martian. I, I don't think it's, it's classic, okay. but it's enjoyable. It's okay. It's disposable to some degree, but it's enjoyable enough. But like one of the things is that you can tell, and in fairness, it is is Michael Green, the screenwriter, also worked on Covenant as well. So he worked with Scott on developing the story, and I like that Jay's nodding. You can see that here. Like there is a sense that Blade Runner twenty forty nine, as much as people might joke about how it's a good thing it was taken away from Ridley Scott because Ridley Scott doesn't make good movies anymore, which is not entirely fair, I think. But it's, it's not not fair either. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's been a while. Yeah. But I take your point. But it, it, it doesn't mark him out. Um, <laughs> um, Jay's sort of list of filmmakers. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yes. like. Yeah. But um, he gets put on the he gets put on the regular pie. He ain't no Tony Scott. Put it that way. Yes, and I, I, I would argue. Yeah, I would agree with that. That Tony Scott is massively underrated. Oh, he's a did, fantastic filmmaker. Did two fifty anyway, Tony Scott? What is there a no. Tony Scott in the two fifty? I, I don't believe. It. But the, but the, but That's there but there is a Kenny Loggins. Like the tide has dropped off. Oh, God, there there so is depressing. a Kenny Loggins riff on the two fifty <laughs> podcast. So. What? There is a Kenny Loggins riff. Our, our spoiler zone riff is generally a Kenny Loggins oh, right. danger zone. But there but, really should be a Tony Scott film. Anyway, sorry, go on. Just sorry. on there, just on principle. <laughs> yes. But I mean, the thing is that this is very much a Ridley Scott film. I would argue in that it's it's obsessed with Ridley Scott's themes and ideas. In that it's it's <laughs> insofar as it takes them all. Yeah. And, okay. and does nothing with well, them. No, but it's, yeah. It's okay. more explicit. Like the original Blade Runner was obviously a Ridley Scott film, so obviously inherited yeah. to that. But it also carries over a lot of the stuff that defines uh, Scott's work on, say, Prometheus and Covenant, which is this idea of procreation as divinity. Yeah. So you have, obviously, Jared Leto's character who shows up with this big angel motif. Yeah. And who's all like, oh, and fiery the angels fell. You have the final sequence where Ryan Gosling is not only stabbed through the hand evoking the crucifixion, but is also stabbed through the side evoking also the crucifixion. And the talk of miracles. You have yeah, this that, miracle that, child yeah, who's yeah, born. Yeah. And even, even yeah. the twist, which is the big twist that uh, Kay is not the chosen one. You Kay is basically put in the role of John the Baptist to the chosen one. Yeah. He's, he's put in, and you have even the, the scene at the end with the water where it's practically a baptism. Can I, can, can I just say, you know, I, I, I'll probably agree with all that. I, I have no real kind of objection on here. Can we lay off on the biblical allegories, though? I'm exhausted by it. I mean, after Mother, which is enough. Yeah. Like, I mean, can we try something else, please? There's, you know, I know there's good stories in the Bible, but there's other things. They call it a good book because yeah. it gets great reviews, Jay. That's, yeah, that's, that's true. That true. He, he was actually told that about a month into filming. It's like, can you lay off in the biblical? It's a bit mutter. And, <laughs> yeah. and Denny Villeneuve just said, what's that? Yeah. Um, Who is this Aaron? I, I don't know uh, what you're talking about. I don't decide when this movie comes out. Um, oh. <laughs> oh. It's, it's the biblical season. Yeah. Um, the most wonderful is. time of the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're all uh, getting... Uh, 
uh, geared up for Christmas. But it does, <laughs> I, I like that it, it is very much, it's still a Ridley Scott film, and it's Villeneuve, I think, channeling Scott in many ways, shapes, or I just, But I think Scott, is a, as I said, uh, particularly around that time when he was kind of probably at his peak, uh, and oh, the original, because that'd be around Alien, Alien yeah. as well, yeah, yeah, and and Legend. Let's not yeah, forget yeah. Legend. No, 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 he had a lightness of touch even for darker stories. I thought even Alien, like there, like it's a, like it's a tough film, like it's a dark and it's a horror and all that kind of stuff. But it's 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 well, it's it's directed with a light hand, I think, as a filmmaker. And there's a wonder in the original Blade Runner that still is still quite strong actually, in terms of the ideas behind it. But I don't, I think, I don't think. Uh, Villeneuve has that lightness of touch as a filmmaker. Alright. Do you know, it doesn't bring it to bear on this film. It's it's heavy and it's, I think it's overbearing in that way. It's technically fantastically constructed. Something in I'm... In what context? Oh, oh, sorry, come on. Sorry, go on. Something I'm wondering is... Um, I, I hear intelligent people use the word um, auteur and auteurish. Is Denny Villeneuve the least... Auteur-ish, and, and uh, sorry, uh, I I know I'm not pronouncing it in the in the correct manner, um, but what 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 seems to me is that Denny Villeneuve's strength, in my mind, in in so much as he has the strength, is his versatility, and and for 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 me, these movies that he's made that I've seen are quite different. For me, and I, 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 I think they they, and and uh, I, yeah, I I think that's my problem. I feel, I feel like if 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 you watch kind of um, a Tarantino movie or a Hitchcock movie or even like a Spielberg movie or um, kind of I, I could go on, yeah, yeah. that that you you sort of recognize certain um, kind of preoccupations. I think that's there with Villeneuve as well, though. I think. Visually, I think there were there were no child sense. molesters in this. No, film. there wasn't. But there was a lot of child violence, though. Like there is. Yeah. If you were to watch um, Prisoners. Uh, Prisoners, you would think, oh, this think, Denny Villeneuve yeah, must, must Denny really Villeneuve have. Uh, women are being sidelined. Um, shots are being made to look as epic as possible, and the kind of heavy bass sound of. Well, that's uh, Hans Zimmer, I would argue more. Yeah, than but, 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 but I mean, he's the director. I mean, he's bringing all this to bear. Yeah. I mean, that that all affects the shot and what you see and how his yeah. stories are constructed. And I think that those things are kind of synonymous with his films, particularly those kind of films. Okay. And I think, like, it's even there in uh, Enemy, uh, Enemy uh, as well. That kind of thing. Yeah. And and like, is it is it if if his strength is versatility, uh, my, if that's the case, I feel like an, an another one might 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 be this kind of flexibility and adaptability in the sense that he can have it almost not be his movie. Yeah. This is kind of a Roger Deakins movie. This is kind of a Hans Zimmer movie. Yeah. It, it, this is kind of a Ridley Scott movie. Yeah. Well, um, and, 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 but, but, but that for, for, for me, at least in this movie, he's been able to, to take all of those different kind of uh, creatives and, Deliver, deliver them in a cohesive work of. And by the way, I had problems with this, uh, with with this movie. But I would say they're very minor, and they didn't ruin it for me. Well, no, I, I would. Oh, I see what you're getting, at, and I would agree to an extent, which is why I like the movie a lot. But I think that the lack of a sense of strong authorship for me held it back in in some ways. Like, 
I think I, the fact yeah. that it will never be as innovative as the original Blade Runner. It will never be new. And, like, let's talk about this a bit, because, like, like Alien Covenant, which is a movie that Jay and myself have seen. Yes. Jay loathes with the passion of a thousand it's, it's, it's just unnecessary and not very well made. Oh. Like, it looks good in the way that uh, the one before it looked good, which name escapes me. Uh, uh, Prometheus. Prometheus. Like, I mean, they're fine-looking films. And, like... He knows how to put a shot together and he knows what effects are and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. He's very, very good at Ridley Scott. But if he's learned anything from Alien, <laughs> it that it does not a good film make. There's so much more to it than that. Yeah. And I would but, argue, I want to see Scott making an Alien film that has nothing to do with Alien at all. Like, just make yeah. a, a science fiction film. Yeah, with Michael Fassbender. Well, oh, I mean, that, yeah. that, that is one of the things, though, about, um, about Covenant that I think carries over into Blade Runner 2049, right? Because in Covenant, like, Covenant is not a good film. Nope. But I would argue it is a very interesting film in many ways, shapes, or forms. Because I think it hints, it itself hints at what you talk about there. In that I think it's an alien movie that doesn't want to be an alien you, movie. You said this before, and you're, you're probably correct in it. Like, there's this sense that, like, and Scott has talked about this in interviews, where he wanted to make a movie that was about creation and about but, God. But all respect, like, Scott should be making them then. I mean, his yeah. films make money. He doesn't have to keep making Alien films. Well, that's, that's the I art. mean, you know, There's a make a bloody different film then. The, like, the Aliens were shoehorned in by 20th Century Fox because the but, argument is that if you want to make a movie with this budget, if you want to make a science fiction film with this budget, see, you need a film. But then we're getting at something that could be equally applied to Blade Runner 2049. It's nostalgia, yes. isn't yes. it? We're getting at no nostalgia film. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for forgetting. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> that the, yeah. the, the, the studio version of Gladiator is <laughs> just like few changes. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about Stranger Things and things like that. Yeah, but or, I mean, there's a sense like in Alien Covenant, there's this tension between like what the movie wants to be, which is what Michael Fassbender wants to be, which is like this creepy... Guy, what Michael Fassbender wants to be, what the character played by Michael <laughs> yes. Fassbender wants to be, yes. which is this creepy Frankenstein guy living on a planet, yeah. and all of a sudden you've got these aliens thrown in on top of it, which are just there because people need to sell seats to go see movies. Like, one of the things I like about Blade Runner 2049 is I think you see that same tension there. It's worth noting, again, same screenwriter in Michael Green, mm. um, is that you have this sense of memory and nostalgia and recreation like it's telling that the central character the messiah figure in the movie is a character who lives inside a bubble and who makes false memories and who lives inside memories that she's constructed and she casts out into the world through these replicants like there's this sense that if you want to make a big budget film and it's worth noting actually Villeneuve is like Villeneuve is a really and I hate that I'm going to use this word, but he's got a lot of juice. At the yeah, moment. he does. And like he's, he's a huge. He's named for every goddamn project that comes well, up that has a bit of money to throw at. But this at. is the thing, and he, all of those projects are franchise films. He's yeah. named in terms of like a Dune reboot. He's Bond, named in Bond terms film. of Bond Twenty Five. Yeah. Like, there's a sense these days that but working in Hollywood. If you made a Freddy versus Jason movie, he'd probably be linked <laughs> to it if there was enough money to throw at. But if you're working in Hollywood today and you want to make a big budget science fiction film, he's your guy. You no, you have to do it through a framework of an existing franchise. Then. I like that, but the, it's only going to take a few bombs to end that, though. You, you would think hope. so? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think like the Force Awakens and stuff like that is going to be like. I think the big issue with Blade Runner twenty forty nine's box office performance was, and Scott Mendelson made this point as well, is that if you are going to make a sequel to Blade Runner, don't budget it so it needs to perform like a sequel to Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, um, you could have made it a small film out of it. And I like that, that, to be clear, I'm glad the film exists. I love that it's so vast. I love that it got the budget. But if I'd been sitting on that committee, 
I would never have greenlit. I never no. would have. I never would have seen it as a movie that would make a return. A yeah, forty fifty million dollar film that probably yeah. should have been. But like my argument is this though: if you are what going to make movie a movie, would you? <laughs> I know. I'm far too. Uh, let's best not ask. Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> of the answer. I, yeah, yeah. Chase's market forces. Um, I want to expose Darren. Yeah. No, you're, sorry, your point, Gary. Just... My, my point though is that like if you're working in Hollywood today, and maybe maybe this gets back to what we were talking about, Bill New not having a distinctive voice, and maybe yeah. this is why he's a director of the moment, perhaps. And I feel like we're being very insulting to him because I think he's a great guy. <laughs> he, he's 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 that guy. In another Ryan Gosling movie, I can't believe I'm I'm forgetting the name of the La La Land of the movie that I oh, liked yeah, most he's, last he's year. The guy who opened up with the band in La La Land, basically. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's like I'm 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 really I'm really getting a lot of buzz right now. It's great to be validated. Yeah, uh, yeah, people yeah. say I'm a fantastic story, <laughs> and, uh, a world creator, world builder. Yeah. Oh, the screenwriter. Sorry, I exactly. The guy who operated the band. The no, movie. no, no, no. I feel I feel I should make the point that. Uh, La La Land's a bad film just for Grace who we'll probably get to listen to it at some point because we're in full agreement yeah. on that absolutely no I and the, the, this this Never is this is the thing <laughs> any boot in there this is the thing about um, the 250 is that I get to like realise how many how many people are wrong and and oh, and, <laughs> and, and, and to, to 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 and and it's interesting to find out how I'm right all of the time it's amazing well, it's amazing for you. it's amazing that all my opinions are correct and whenever and everybody else deviates everybody from else's them. opinions aren't you yeah. do well on the internet <laughs> <laughs> I think the podcast may even be on the internet wow you've got the internet computers there yeah. but I, ones I, and zeros i do think though that that's an interesting point one of the things i like about blade runner 249 is that it maybe plays with that idea a little bit where you have these constructed world worlds and these constructed mythologies and this idea of like memories and like evoking things past because like one of the things about blade runner 249 is obviously it unfolds in a world where the original film took place where 2019 looked like blade runner you know, it looked like what we imagine the second year of a Trump presidency will look like. But it, it looked like a world that is completely different from our own. Even when you're watching 2049, like, the Soviet opera is still performing. Yeah. Atari is still advertising. Pan Am is still has giant buildings. I and presume buildings that's n- nodding to the original film. No, those are. But, yeah. and, and there's this idea of, like, living inside a fictional world where the 80s never ended. Yeah. And, uh, like, Which that, is where we are. Well, that seems to be... Yeah. That's how yeah. things are popular culture. Yeah, no, it does. Stranger Things, you look at It... Even Atomic Blonde, the, the movie yeah. that was released this year, imagines a world in which the eighties like never ended. Yeah. I find it hilarious the the kind of product placement in this movie because all, all of these big brands it's like so it's a dystopia so of course you're around. Yeah. <laughs> um, How do you sell that to future? Um, yeah, yeah. Your car's like, gonna crash. It's not gonna start. But what yeah, I find baffling though is that I lived through the eighties. They were terrible years. I don't know why anybody wants to revisit that thing. I I remember. But anyway. <laughs> a mutual friend of 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 Darren and I, who who who's very fond of the eighties, was 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 talking one time about, weren't the eighties great? I had to grab him and say, no, they weren't. They really worked. They really <laughs> what are you worked. talking about? What's wrong with you? What you, want, what you yeah, seriously, you don't you don't believe what you're saying. But I know you don't because my opinion is right. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. But it, Part of me wonders if it's not if it's not a it is affection nostalgia but if it's laced with something deeper in the sense that like are we worried that and this is one of the things with the a lot of films recently and maybe it's because the Trump effect where everything ends up being about Trump. 
but where you have like walls. I start seeing walls a lot more. You see, often I'm worried about this. See, I yeah, I'm very careful of yeah. yeah. There's there's a seduction in that yeah. of giving films more credit than the than <laughs> yeah. they the probably deserve. That, yeah. And TV shows anyway. I think there's a lot of that. Oh, this is the first great Trump movie, or this is the first great yeah. whatever. And it, it, I mean, society that all was the never time, meant though. to be that. For example, yeah. But I mean well, that fits I mean, nicely yeah. though. Yeah. It. But I take your point. I, it, there's a. Well, I mean, yeah, films have tend- meanings imbued with them by how you watch them as much yeah. as by how they're made. Like at yeah. the moment they're released, as much as the moment they're. Built. I mean, you talk about like something like uh, Mash was made about the Korean War, but it wasn't really about the Korean War. No, and so, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like this always happens. I mean, it's not particularly in, in times where a country is in crisis. Yeah. Like you, your kind of art should perhaps reflect. But I think, obviously, but, here's the thing though, like. When I think of walls, I think of stuff like Game of Thrones, I think of stuff like uh, yeah, yeah. Rob War for the Planet of the Apes, where like the, the general is categorised as insane by his plan to build a giant wall. Yeah. Um, and like, it doesn't work in Game of Thrones, we see the last But, but that's the thing, is these all predated Trump in yeah. any way, shape, or form, yeah. so it's sort of interesting to see that retroactively. And yeah. even here... We're, we're, yeah. we're, we're going back to Game of Thrones spoilers. I, try, I tried <laughs> to introduce that and discovered that it had been edited out. <laughs> Where I spoke about how the um, my favorite part about uh, Game of Thrones um, season seven episode one was when the dragon started talking, voiced by Eddie Murphy. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and, um, and, and Darren was like, "I'm just going to cut that out." Yeah, we can't have that leaving the press. No. Um, HBO very kindly provide us with screeners, Andrew. We can't abuse that privilege. But no. no you have this sort of weird sense and like even like Atomic Blonde has this sense of like the, the Berlin Wall existing as a metaphor for like this idea of an ordered and principled world and you have this idea even in this film where you have the gigantic walls that bound you know form a boundary around Los Angeles and then you have the metaphorical war that, that wall that uh, Robin Wright talks about where she's like you know the walls that separate societies and, yeah, like, yeah. and like there, there is a sense that I wonder if like that's a reflection on maybe how our current politics and our current status quo is is in many ways an extrapolation of the 80s and like andrew's talked about this in the podcast before where he misses the fact that we don't have blockbusters that do broad social commentary like they used to in the 80s where they critique reagan and stuff like that yeah but i feel like is there a strain in modern pop culture that recognizes that the current situation we're in is in many ways like an extrapolation or a continuation of reaganomics i don't i'm not sure if that's true but i think we 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 give the we imbue meaning yeah we I think we do and I we like, are all okay I, but we'll be, I think there's a tendency for particularly if you want to go to bat for a film or a TV show or a piece of art or whatever yeah. something that you really like you can you'll find the meaning in it yeah. <laughs> to some degree whether it's there or not yeah. I mean you like there's stuff in a lot of films that I probably like that people are like what, what you know what the hell you know what I mean it, there's things in you like, you can dig deeper and find stuff but it's there or not. Uh, it largely doesn't matter I mean like you, the films are defined by their time even yeah. if they're consciously defined by the filmmaker that made them yeah. I mean they, they exist in that time so you can take something and go well that does represent that I mean does it? I, and, like, I, think, I, think, I think an awful lot of this can, can come from, from obviously the, the, the writer director I think the audience has a part to play in um, well, yeah, yeah. so the, the like <laughs> I, I would argue the act of interpretation is itself a minor act of creation yeah they, for, yeah. for 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 example Paul Verhoeven 
<laughs> Obligatory to the D glands, right? Robocop reference. Obligatory. Um, when he when he when he picked up, uh, I think it was Ed Newmeyer, or um, I may be wrong. Uh, the, the 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 kind of screenplay for Robocop, he read it and he kind of dismissed it. And I think it was his wife read it and he says, "Actually, this is really interesting. I think you should you, you should you should have another look at it." And they read it again and it's like, "Oh, it's a Christ metaphor," <laughs> and, and 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 then it's like like it was very important to him how the movie would be. It was like kind of, um, oh, if we're going to have the resurrection, we need to have the crucifixion uh, yeah. beforehand yeah. and all of this sort of stuff. So, um, but then, uh, and and then interpreting the movie, you're able to add layers um, yeah. to it or take them away because you, you can you can go into a movie like um, uh, Blade Runner and it kind of leave you unaffected. I guess yeah, as well, where yeah. where 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 the where the writer or the director have attempted to imbue it with something, or have maybe successfully for for themselves or for certain people who interpret it, and then you can go in and, and interpret and watch that movie yourself and actually come come away without um, yeah. what 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 they've added. I guess. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I would agree with most of that. Something I want to return to which Jay mentioned earlier. Women in Blade Runner. Yeah, in terms of one of the one of the criticisms that's been leveled at the movie, and I think it's a fair criticism in, in many ways, shapes, or forms, is that the movie is very male centric and very male focused and very its female characters tend to exist at the periphery, and I'm I'm of two minds. I think it's a very valid criticism. Uh, but I also would argue that I think it's a valid story to tell in large part because it subverts the, the the chosen one narrative that we were going. I like the idea that Gosling, and maybe some members of the audience, assume that Gosling is going to be the chosen one because he has a penis. Because he's a male lead in this movie. And then yeah. you end up with the, the reveal that actually it was a girl all along. But at the same time, I'm not sure that justifies the, the marginalization of the other women in, in the cast, or the other women, yeah. female I, characters. I, I think... Um point that grace made on a recent um uh, episode i think was the handmaiden was very good in that sometimes objectification is in the eye of the beholder and 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 she made 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 the point about um black widow in was it the winter soldier yes yes so i think personally i i i i i take on board the 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 to a certain extent, the marginalization of the, of the female characters. But I think if you look at the female characters in this movie, there is a um, a tremendous and intentional um, depth or significance to them. In um, if you're looking for it, yeah. and and e- even there's there's something even e- even in the character of his holographic um, girlfriend Joy. Joy, who's a um, She's a, a Spanish actress. Uh, yes, she's is Anna Damos, I think I think is her name. I apologize for the mispronunciation of the name there. It's yeah. Anna de Armas. Perfect. Anna de Armas. Yeah, nobody could tell. Fantastic. <laughs> right up there with Denis Villeneuve. Yeah. Um, um so I I think there's something there where it's it's almost um making a comment about the 
marginalization of of women and it, like, I think, it, I think and, it's a fair and, point and, to and make it, that this is and a movie very set in dystopia and the way in which it treats women is endemic of that dystopia now, yeah. I do think there are better ways to do that like I think Mad Max Fury Road did a sort of a better job of that in that Mad I, Max where is, does, where is the rules in dystopia where women get I think it, I think it's more that it's it's a very male driven and it, even in the way the pleasure is constructed in is the world of Blade Runner but, but it's very male dominant yeah but okay right Blade Runner is set what 2019 what the original Blade yeah. Runner yes yeah okay so this is 30 years later yeah right and I know the world hasn't improved in any significant way by the looks of it yeah right I mean that that's quite clear but the the leader of the replicant uprising as it is yeah, the aside, replicant resistant if you yeah, yeah aside there's nothing like I mean I, I take on board I'm, what you're saying about the, the holograph the character from her essentially is essentially what it yes. is yeah, it's, sure. it's, it's Scotty Hansen in a Spanish accent essentially yeah. for you know, and, and, with the body. Yeah, and, 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 and with the body the, the, even if you accept that the actresses have enough to do that are in the film and there's arguments made for and against it I'd probably come out slightly against it but I've, I've no real kind of dog in fight in that my issue mainly is the absurdly over the top sexualized nature of the hologram. Yes, the way uh, she sell, where, yeah. where he finally sees her at the end. And yeah, that, uh, the the in the Vegas scenes, the, the oh the women body it's, shaped yeah. uh, kind of the the, 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 the fish mouth sort yeah, of women yeah. with the yeah. Yeah, I'd like why does that exist? And I, I don't I don't think there's any reason to say. Because boobies are awesome. Yeah, well, okay. I mean, yeah, like I mean, nobody argues with that. Okay, but, but like, yeah. I mean, but you know what I'm getting we, at. Like, we, we, we can have boobies and Ryan Gosling. Everybody can be happy. But I don't think everybody is happy. No, no, no. And I think that, I, I think it's a very fair point. I mean, yeah. I, I think I've heard complaints about it in that regard, and I think that's... I am sort of on board with Jay on this point. But I, I do think though that there is an argument made that they exist as a, and this is one of the things Poe's law. It's difficult to distinguish between what's intended. As a commentary on something or an endorsement of it. I agree. And I think that... It depends largely how well or smart you think the filmmaker is that's making it. Yes. And in this case, for me... I obviously is smarter than you do. Well, I would have probably given the benefit of the doubt if I hadn't already watched Sicario and watched them uh, abandon... Um, Emily Blunt to follow... For pretty much the whole film after they start off as her ostensibly being the lead. Right. And I, I, and I think it, I think Villeneuve in that regard as as, as previous. Right. So I don't think it can be ignored. Okay, I I only think that it spins off in the final third, and I think it. I disagree. I think if you rewatch it, I think it happens quite a lot earlier. Right. That she's she's chasing everybody, trying to find out what's going on for pretty much the whole film. Right. But I do think that like part of the like so I think that for example the statues that the women yeah. uh, in Vegas exist to you know to, to comment on the society is like a hedonistic sort of. I, 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 I don't think, think so. I mean. I think oh, you yeah. got Vegas for that, right? It's Vegas. Yeah. I mean, it's already vulgar yeah. and dystopian if but you it, go to it now. But it's rendered I mean, even more so. Yeah, I don't think I don't think showing women's breasts make it in a kind of weird way make it any more. Oh, what a crazed world we're living in! I don't see how that adds to it. I don't think it's designed that way. I think it's designed to look cool to huh. appeal to fourteen-year-old boys. I don't see it. All right, I, I, I would give the and film me. And me. <laughs> and Andrew. Uh, um, but yeah, it's a kind of a, there's something kind of bacchanalian about it. and, and the, But it's not that film, I don't think. Uh, certainly, like, I don't think, at that, particularly at that point in the film, I don't think, it, I think it's entirely unnecessary. And if you lost that, I don't think I'd be going just saying, do you know what this film needs? Breasts. You know, oh, do you know yeah. what I mean? We've already got them, That's, if you wanted that kind of thing. We've already got female characters that are doing for all intents and purposes not a lot yeah. until That's, probably towards people the end people had the same problem with Botticelli <laughs> <laughs> that guy couldn't make a film either 
But I, I mean, I do, I do understand these criticisms, and I think they're they're perfectly fair criticisms. On the other hand, I also think that there is a valid, and I think that it is valid to express this idea of like male ownership and male perspective, and like this idea of living in a world that has reinforced gender roles to the point where like you have a replicant and a hologram living out what is effectively a 1950s domestic oh, right. no, scene. I I think think a... I'm not arguing with that but I think that point is fair. Oh. I, I don't think it's particularly successfully done but oh. I think it's a fair yeah. I think I, it's very clear what Vin has going there Andrew mentioned earlier I think it, it's quite clear what he's trying to do there and it's a comment on that and I'm fine with that. I like oh. I, I there's other things that I have issues with, and particularly in representation terms. Yeah, no, no, like, I'm, I'm definitely that's, that's I'm, where I'm I halfway can. between Jay and Andrew at this point. To be absolutely clear, like I think that there is a sense of there is a sense, and this is like one of the issues with the film's box office was first of all it didn't attract a lot of viewers uh, under the age of forty. No, because um, they weren't born in the eighties. Yes, and then second of all, it only attracted only eight percent of its audience were women under the age of forty, which I'm not surprised by. Which yeah, and and one of the issues is that it is very macho centric and you can see that on the posters where yeah and and like we're this all this all seems a bit strange to me to be honest our focus on on gender in this movie this is only a small part of the conversation this could have been a more female centric movie but there are plenty of strong female uh, characters in this movie and I don't know if any of us actually disagree with that um, I think there are interesting female I don't know yeah I, I, think, I, I think the fact that I don't many necessarily are, disagree I think the fact that many of those women are denied agency is interesting and compelling I'm not sure there are many who have any agency in the like who has agency in, in the film for example like well, we 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 the, we, the leader of the rebellion is, is so right. So okay, yeah, yeah. Ryan Gosling is the main character. Who's who's the main character's boss? Yeah, yeah, but she exists to die. Though. Well, actually, this is this is one know? of the things that that is interesting to me, right? Because I mean, and this is something that's come up in discussions of Westworld, which I love and I know Jay hates. I don't but it's, really didn't it's like the it, idea yeah. that Westworld is built around this idea of male pleasure, um, and I, I I'm quite okay with that because I think that's the no, point no, that's fine but, I have no but, issue with that there but, in that no no but I'm just getting to a point here where there's a moment in Blade Runner 2049 where Robin Wright who, who is Kay's boss who he refers to as Madam yeah. is sitting in his house yes drinking scotch not exactly where you're coming from yeah. and she's sitting there and she's sipping it and she's staring at him and she's staring at a man who looks like Ryan Gosling little bit of drink in her eyes she's his superior there's a complete power imbalance there and she goes what happens if, if I, I finish, finish this vodka and there's a sense that if it did, she may take advantage of him. And yeah. as somebody who's programmed to obey her, he may do so. And there's even, For some there's, reason, yeah. And even, it doesn't necessarily infer, but you get the feeling that it could well have happened already. Well, no, that, that, that's, the issue. Know that it's... that's the issue. Is that I, I feel uncomfortable that the movie feels uncomfortable going there, but it's perfectly happy to have, like, light brothels where you can see... Yeah. Yeah, and and there's also uh, there, there's That's exactly the like that that the idea that like it's okay for men to use women as sex robots in this future, but it's somehow okay to suggest that Robin Wright might order Kay to, it you know do whatever do whatever, but that she wouldn't, and yeah, you go too far. I don't know. I'd, 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 it's hard to put a finger on. And I I I think a lot of a lot of the uh, female characters in this movie see Ryan Gosling. As 
Ryan Gosling, and yeah. that Ryan Gosling <laughs> is sick and tired of it. Like of of always being kind of pretty boy. Um, yeah, yeah, he's he's getting like street harassment, and <laughs> um, he's he's in, and and it's inverting that uh, typical female experience. I don't think it is though. I don't think any of the stuff is like. I I I mean in 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 the sense that he's. It see it seems a lot in the in 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 the movie that 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 these characters are propositioning him in a way that it's not. I don't think what it's doing is create is yeah, is appealing to a male fantasy. But they're prostitutes, aren't they? Yeah, that's the issue. That's, that's, the, that's and, the issue. And it's not Anders is boss. Anders is angel. Yeah, the, but it's a hologram, the, isn't it? No, no, she's a, a, a replicant, and and there's uh, oh, jo- they, they, yeah, yeah, jo- Mackenzie Davis, yeah. yeah, Joy as well is even though she's a hologram, she's a hologram who's trying to get through to him on a deeper level than. But she's not. Though, she, is she then I I, I, I believe I there like is that. a suggestion about that 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 he's like right. I get it. You're a hologram. Um, I like he's 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 lonely, and I think he's also kind of sad that. His solution to loneliness is this um, holographic yeah. character, and I, what I, I feel like throughout their relationship, she is trying to get him to see her as more than a, a series of ones and zeros. By the way, how do you think? Do you think there are enough ones uh, in 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 this episode? I feel like there are too many zeros. Um, but I do like I get what you're saying there, and like one of the things I like about the movie is the ambiguity around the character of Joy is that the sense that you are never entirely sure whether she is transcending her program or simply following her program. But isn't, isn't it made explicit towards the end? Well, that like there's a point early on in the movie where she's like, um, "I'm getting cabin fever." And then he shows up with this thing that he bought that costs a lot of money, and you're like, "Oh well, she was obviously programmed to do that because that's the response." Yeah, and, then, and, then and then when she calls him, more stuff. yeah, and and then when when she calls him Joe, when she says you're a real boy and you deserve a real name like Joe, and he's like, "Oh my God, that makes me special." And then at the end, when he sees the gigantic hologram yeah, of her, the hologram is like, uh, "You look like a nice Joe." Yeah. Uh, to indicate that, tells you, does it tell the robot? Yeah, tells you what, tells you what you want to hear and what you want to there's also a tension where she tells him to remove the transponder from her adapter which would imply that there is some sense of identity herself there there's the moment where she begs um love for some sense of mercy or compassion towards him and i like the sense the movie doesn't answer that one way or the other but i do feel like i do feel like the female characters never feel like more than plot functions and maybe that's more a reflection of as jay said van Lue's sort of emphasis on plot but yeah do we have anything to say on um the lack of Sean Young, or the digital, or the, the digital thing as well. It's not digital the age. It's another actress uh, imposed. Did they not use her they voice? Didn't even though? use her. No, huh? the synthesizer voice okay. from what I read today. Well, so having, she having... didn't even get a, a look in. And I think, considering how memorable she is in the first film, and how quote unquote because she's a woman in Hollywood, difficult she can be, and so it doesn't get parts. And I've read up on it; she's gotten nothing pretty yeah. much for a long time. That. She didn't even get. I think she gave advice to the actress who, who uh, played the the younger version. Well, yeah. I mean, she she delivers. I thought she delivered those lines. Apparently know. not. Okay. So Which is disappointing. No. Take this alongside. Is it? It is Rogue One. Yes. Where 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 we have Peter Cushing and, and uh, oh god that's, yeah yeah well Jay's not a big fan of that I, I'm, I'm not am, at all. I am I not. It. I, yeah. It, okay. it, 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 like like oh no. I saw this movie and I was I was looking at it and I was thinking, 
the CG is very good. The CG <laughs> is maybe not so good. The CG is that's not CG. <laughs> um, when when um, and it seemed to me like it was a different actress, but I feel like this 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 movie didn't take me out of the movie and remind me it was no, a movie no, I, as much no, as, no, I, I as Rogue One I think it's more the ethical had. issues what yeah, Jay's getting I, 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 I think it, it works fine I'm not yeah. I'm no yeah. real issue I mean thematically it works well in a movie yeah, that's about yeah. what the but real also, must know I thought about the actress so yeah. we should we should put Sean Young back in the movie as a sign of no, no, no. respect I, I just, or a, like reverence in the context of how films are made in that regard that how do you, yeah. even the the basic script of the film obviously was to well, I mean, not have her in it. Yeah, well, as far as I'm aware, I thought she said she wasn't going to be in it first. Oh. I, I I don't know now. Yeah. But I the chronology may have been that she said she wasn't going to be in it in the same way that one suspects that Harrison Ford's limited involvement in the film not appearing until 100 minutes into the film is based on his own reluctance. But I mean, there was no doubt he was going to turn up. Though. Oh yeah, like, because he was a second yeah. credited lead. Yeah. But uh, no, it, no, just no, just it's interesting. No, it's a fair, well. it's a very fair point, and I think like I think. Again, this is Darren splitting the difference between the two, is that I think you're right, the argument would be to de-age Sean Young, but to have her provide the body movements and the voice. Well, Sean Young is dead. In, in, like, her, the character oh, yeah, that she Rachel, plays, yeah, she Rachel is dead. From a and, of yeah. forever. So, and and well, Harris, Harrison... I'm just the character I know, and, and the decision context. to kill off the yeah, character Rachel is a reflection of that. Yeah, but. And I, I think Deckard, um, or Harrison Ford, is, uh, is, is not amused. By clone. this um, clone, clone, yeah. yeah, and 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 to 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 make to make more of 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 this character than that would be to kind of undercut his his. I don't know. No, no, no that. I think yeah. I think we're kind of somewhat cross purposes in, yeah. in, the, in yeah. the context of the argument. But okay, yeah. I just it's more of a Hollywood thing than yeah. anything else. Yeah, and then then a film or a problem with tricky compared to how they treat male yeah. actors who are sex tricky. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's sex offenders. It, it, it's I, interesting to me. That's I think all. Sean Young was fantastic in the first movie. So do um, I. And, I think she's terrific. In and it, I, 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 I think it would have been interesting to have maybe had some... Be, 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 because of how long after the first movie this is, both in terms of the movie itself and, and it, 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 the... And, and in the world of the movie, like this is what, 30 years after? So 20 years, yeah. Yeah, so there would have even been scope to not have to de age. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, like they didn't have to de age Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. Um, you could have had, like, Thomas. yeah, you, you could have had, say, a flashback with. with yeah. Uh, Sean Young uh, yeah, well, before listen, he, yeah. he didn't so I just, I was just curious no I know it is and I mean I, I think it's fair I suspect though that it was the film was structured around her refusal not to return but there's no way to know yeah there's absolutely no way to know but I mean let's let's talk you, you mentioned a couple of the specific um, issues and ideas so you want to talk about the filmography Jay for a little bit like when you talk about Deacons yeah I mean in terms of how it's filmed I'm always I'm always curious particularly with science fiction films uh of in, when we talk about cinematography and how films are shot and what cinematographers bring to it. And if you look at uh, 2049, I'm wondering of some of the shots, and they're really very beautiful, of how much is on screen is there. Yeah. And I'm always really interested in this as to, in, in terms of 
where the line is, is drawn. Gee, yeah, like, yeah. Of what what it, what is Roger Deakins filming what? when he's filming? I mean, well, this is this is the argument that exists. It, it happened with digital as well. Like the argument was that if a cinematographer is not treating film, is that the same thing? If a cinematographer is lighting in such a way that it can be rendered afterwards, but is it, that the same thing? As well? not, yeah, I mean, the, and I mean, I think that it's a very it's an interesting one. I mean, in 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 Blade Runner, like Robocop, there's matte painting. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was that was a, 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 a gratuitous a uh, obligatory yeah. reference. Um, yeah, it's like, like, yeah. So, so I mean, the tools of filmmaking have changed, but I mean, it's 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 not like they were shooting um, a, um, a, 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 a a twenty nineteen Los Angeles in yeah. the in the original movie. No, 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 no. It's fair point. No, I, I mean, just, I, I'm curious about it. I am. I'm. I'm kind of more prone in this respect to accept the kind of movement and the changes yeah. in the industry and to accept that Deacon still like Deacon's lights those shots where the, the thing lands and there's smoke around yeah. Gosling or where he's moving through the haze yeah. um, like that which were modelled by the way on the Sydney dust storms from 2012 I believe well, you, can see the, yeah. you can see the pictures like they actually look very similar this I, is I think it's beautiful work it, is, a, it like, is an amazingly beautiful film but I, I think glad everyone agrees work. on that I, I think he's done better work to be rewarded for and I think it, perhaps he's done better work for would you say Prisoners is a more beautiful film? I would say Sicario is a more beautiful film. Uh, um, I don't know. I, it's it, it's not as showy yeah. as Blade Runner because Blade Runner is very much a showcase. Bright colors. Yeah, and like, like, you I can mean, do like science fiction. You can pop. You can yeah. really where well, real world is more. Yeah, you know, because um, like, you're 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 not going to show like a um, if you have. I don't know some some town in Pennsylvania that has the highest child um, murder rate, child in, murder the rate in the world. You're going to, like you don't need Hans Zimmer, you <laughs> and you don't need the big sweeping kind no. of um, big orange <laughs> vistas, purple no, but I mean, vistas. Cinematography is a bit more than that. Though. It's like I mean, no, it's not, it's not always goodness, the biggest it's a giant. Yeah. I mean, it's oh yeah, no, I, I I I agree with you. I I I think yeah, I agree with your point that in. In science fiction, it, it kind of allows you to, to it grow on a bigger scale, and yeah. a bigger canvas. Yeah, and I think actually maybe that's it's it's ironic that that would be the one field where science fiction gives you an advantage because science fiction traditionally tends to get overshadowed in the mainstream awards and mainstream discussion. Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested. I I suspect you won't win uh, for cinematography uh, for this. Yeah, I do. And if I if I'm gonna go with Jay's mystic um, into the eight ball, Jay, it might be a uh, Wonder Wheel, yeah. uh, the Woody Allen film. Interesting. It was, it was cinematography by uh, the name's gone. I was reading earlier because the trailer is quite quite beautiful. This is the one with Kate Winslet, is yeah. it? Um, yeah. In already its own controversy. Yes, already its own. Uh, and I, I just think I would. I don't know if he wins it for like I mean nobody's going to begrudge Deacon's an Oscar. Yeah. I mean I, I mean you have, what kind of planet would you have to? Don't be worry. To soon do we're it? going to have Jay on talking about The Departed, and this will be a fun discussion to remember. I'm not going to say anything now except that that'll be a tough one but um, no I, I think I think that's fair and I think it's an absolutely beautiful film like it and this it is. is the thing let's let's talk about the length of the film right because this is a big stick and it became a stick talk about the length of the podcast but this is one of the things that became a stick with which you could beat the movie where it was like and as I'm soon as it was announced and like yeah as soon as it was announced myself and Jay and, and the other guys at Scanon as well had the same discussion where there was a lot of oh boy whoa what the hell and this was before you'd seen a frame of the film yep. before you'd actually watched the movie which is like Denny Villeneuve is making a two hour and 45 minute version of Blade Runner and just the reaction to it and the response to it I mean there's a, a wonderful viral video online where it's like two minutes longer than Avatar the number one movie in America by length and so on and so forth 
really, really long. Um, but there is interminable. But there is um, the sense that yeah. I think the movie's length is a huge selling point. I actually love the movie's length, and it seems odd to say that in a in a where the response has been, oh my god, it's so long. You're not the only one to say it, by the way. I mean, I've seen a few people that said they could watch hours of it, right. and yeah. it's a lot of it's associated with Deacon's work in it. That yeah. it's on the big screen, you could sit there happily watching more. Yeah. It is, but I'm a nuts and bolts man. Like the film is more than what the yeah visually it says, and there's a point in the film, and this is where I'll kind of say it, and I'll leave it at it. And you can you can both have at it, but there's a point in the film where uh, Ford comes into it, yes, and that whole sequence, and then that, in Vegas, that sequence yeah. ends. And for me, that's where the film ends. When you say Do that you know, sequence, you mean the, the sequence the, where they where, have the drink, or where the sequence where, where Ford is taken away? Yeah, or? That's the, at the kind of end, the climax of the Vegas. Okay, so where sequence, Ford is taken away, which is about what about one fifty, one six, about two hours in. I think you're about two hours and ten at that point. Yeah, like. That for me is stretching to where the film should be. This for me, the fin- the finale takes place there. What's it? Do you know what I mean? And that that to me, when Ford comes into it, and that whole and it sets off the last bit yeah. of it, that felt like a climax. What's interesting? Well, do you know? I think the interesting thing for me is that it's a what is it? What did you say? Two hours forty. Forty three minutes. Yeah. yeah, and it it's it's a movie that isn't over. Well, this is, and it, uh, you mean, you mean yeah, that it has the, a cliffhanger where yeah, the, the main villain like yeah. of 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 the movie disappears. Um, yeah, the the one kind of be, 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 the Jared Leto character. Yeah, exactly. Who it, we should maybe talk about a bit. But who, who, no, who, who, who is it, is his name Walker? Wallace. Wallace. Wallace, Texas Ranger. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, sorry, I beg your pardon. Wallace. Yeah, he who he, adds a solid five minutes to the movie by talking very slowly. Yes. Um, Method. Man, <laughs> you know he didn't actually he didn't mail any used condoms to his fellow actors well, on this, this film. But what, about, what, about, what about rats? There, um, there in, was, instead, he wore contacts that made him blind. I, I was I was listening to Paul F. Tompkins make the point. Isn't it funny that uh, no none of these method actors that you hear about they um, they never become these characters that are particularly nice. <laughs> <laughs> like when when they become method yeah, in a movie, the it's always the yeah, yeah yeah. It's like sorry, I'm uh, like actually no, they can't say sorry because yeah, they're a complete they're, asshole. They're a yeah. character. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just like if if you want to be like that, just be like that. <laughs> but I think <laughs> the, the argument with Leto is he probably is. Yeah, well, I, exactly. I think, I think the, the argument with Leto is that he's the actor who's trying to live down the fact that he won a best yeah. an Oscar like at this moment he's retroactively trying to prove that he's worthy of having the Oscar by doing the method the worst thing we did was give him an Oscar yeah. in retrospect yeah. it was the you, worst you thought you get the bad he, people what did he get an Oscar Dallas for Boris Club. with Matthew McConaughey they really both, they both won yeah oh yeah I know a lot of people have that reaction but anyway so you were talking about the, the length and the climax and the, the fact that, the movie that, doesn't have an end that, fe- that, fe- that sequence well it's not obviously pl- tying up everything not that the end did anyway <laughs> but that felt like the climax to me. That felt like the end, of, the natural end point for the okay. movie. Do you know when you you kind of feel that it, something hits a natural end point and you've gone beyond it, and yeah. then the rest of it's tedium because you feel like the film has ended. This is interesting because it actually it reminded me. I didn't feel that way. I again yeah. because I, I know that, you were happy yeah. with nothing. But it reminded me of, of and it's a thing that I've seen a lot more often. I think we've seen a lot more with big blockbusters. Is and I think it's particularly after the Dark Knight. Is this idea of having an act basically stitched on having a twist that arrives where you think the film is over or it's at a point where it could be over yeah. 
And then you just you throw in basically a mini movie at the end. Yeah. So like obviously in the Dark Knight you have this situation where the where Batman defeats the Joker on top of the skyscraper. But oh my god, Harvey's Harvey's there, he's still gotta be dealt with. And then you've got sort of this situation here where it's like Harrison Ford is abducted, uh, but it's okay because Kay goes and rescues him, but he doesn't deal with any of the big problems in the film. And like I, I kind of like that aspect. But, of it. But, but, but and and there is the whole replicant revolution <laughs> okay. what? as well. There's the whole replicant revolution. Yeah. Now. That's well, just I, I, I like that. That's not dealt with. I would rather that didn't exist at all. Why, to be honest. Why do you? Why I? Let me ask you something. Right. I'm yeah. curious about this. Why are you glad these things are not dealt with? And and I'll, I'll tell you why I'm asking this question. Okay. I I because I'm afraid your answer might be to do with ambiguity, right? Which I'm fine with, right? But maybe it's not. But that's sort of like right. another kind of ambiguity in film. It's but there's a difference anyway for me between yeah. ambiguity and it's, it's not ambiguity. All right. To, okay. To, to give, okay. Give you the happy ending. Tell me. Tell me. You, tell you, me. You, you are you, a real life boy, you, Jay. You didn't <laughs> make that. Yeah. Uh, so it turns I can't. out he, he, <laughs> yeah. he befuddles me. <laughs> <laughs> he confuses me sometimes. Yeah. I confuse myself, Jay. That's no. True. It's it's what I talked about earlier, which is the fact that I really dislike the chosen one narrative. So I'm quite happy that it basically. You can take the movie as it ends. And I mean, Hampton Francher, in interviews after the fact, has said, like, they were not doing this to set up a sequel, even though it looks like they were doing it to set up a sequel by the language that we use in filmmaking now. But you, my, what I liked about it was that it took this story that looked like it was going to set up an epic saga, and I really disliked that aspect of it. And it slapped the tail off the dog and said, actually, what we're getting here is the story of a father coming home to his daughter. Right, fine. And... I like that. And I like that doing doing that, it abandoned. Yeah. And I think you're... And I have no argument with that position. My only argument would be, I would be happy with all of that to happen within the two-hour, ten-minute frame that that, that, that yeah. brings no, I, I, I'm you. Not happy that that's right. Yeah. That's like, I'm not happy that the Robot Rebellion exists at all. Or, the, sorry, the um, the Replicant Revolution but exists at all. But it doesn't exist. It's just mentioned in yeah. passing. Yeah. Like, I'm not happy that it's a thing in the yeah. movie. But yeah. I, as such, I'm happy that it's ignored at the end. If that makes sense. I wish it wouldn't have been introduced because yes, I'm not I, happy I, that I was ignored at the end of that regard. And okay. I don't think that's a motivation for for Deckard or Kay or Deck Yeah, sorry. For for, for, for Deckard or Kay. I don't think Kay uh, when when he's confronted with it it's like I believe he has the little collapse where it's like and she's like, Oh you thought it was you and everyone thinks it's you. Everyone thinks that they're going to be the chosen. And she looks at the audience and winked. Yeah. Which is essentially which, despite thought. the fact she has one eye, yeah, uh, it's quite an accomplishment. It is, but there is this uh, like this sense that, and I like the deflation of it. I just don't like the fact that you've got two hours of build up to that deflation. Yeah, like I like the idea that, and we talked about this when we talked about like the subversion of like this narrative. Is the idea that Kay thinks he's the chosen one. Kay thinks if, he's going to deliver his kind. He's going to be Moses. He's going to be Jesus. Well, Christ. We have seen films before, Darren. If if anything, <laughs> if anything, the whole uh, revolution. Um, aspect of it and this underground demotivates because <laughs> he realizes oh I see this uh, I'm actually but not think, as significant you, as uh, uh, as I thought I was what you guys are saying you are letting screenwriters and the director off the hook here by giving the character um, motivation for ignoring uh, the revolution they made a bad job of putting the ending in a film oh, yeah. together. No, That's I, I, it is. I, I, it's I, not I, anything else, sure. I, I, I don't, I don't, on, like, I don't, I don't like. I the give them credit. I, I give. Why would you give credit for that? Because I'm a good guy, Jay. Jesus. I want to believe the best of people. I, I suppose, like the the. the I'm an eternal optimist. Good the whole, God, darn. The even whole, in 2017. I mean, I, I complain about, I complain about movies not having this kind of political weight to them that they had in the 80s there's something kind of tokenistic about the the um the revolution though 
and and and, yeah. and 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 it might seem kind of like, well, Andrew, like you're a bit difficult to please there. <laughs> we, <laughs> well, everything to be right. Yeah, so, yeah, so. yeah. So you wanted something, we gave it to you, but what are you complaining about? Yeah, you yeah. don't want this. Yeah, you it's shove it down your no, throat. Like, it, see, it seemed it. a bit like the Dark Knight Rises, where there was that whole uh, thing. I know. Is it isn't it Darren who likes the Dark Knight Rises? Yes. yes. Somebody has to. We're going to have words after this. No, yeah. it, and it is, and like in fact, actually, the Hans Zimmer score with uh, is it Benjamin Wolfish uh, who collaborated with him on it uh, I'm never one for scores okay. we need Philip for that but I have no he, um, it was one of the fish it was yeah. one of the fish guys <laughs> dirty goldfish but, but yeah it has a very Dark Knight Rises sound to it particularly in the scenes like the Mad Max Orphanage recalls well, Villeneuve does that a bit he did it in his car as well Villeneuve has yeah and he has a bit of a Nolan thing going on yeah but and I love Here's a crazy. I'm getting a bit sick of it, though, by the way. But really? Go on. Yeah. yeah I, I quite liked it. I liked it's it. A, it's in, a shorthand for dread and epic dark drama. It's getting in, a bit tiring. In this, it was fine. In 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 Arrival, um, yes, I, it, again, I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I was like, ah, oh, God, really leave it out. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I know the. Um, the audience were hoping for us to to, to talk for two hours and forty five minutes about um, Blade Runner <laughs> about okay, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I think it ended forty minutes ago. But <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I I, I I I believe we need to wrap up. We may need to wrap up. So, with that in mind, any final thoughts on the film, guys? I am, I'm always curious, and I've talked about this a lot of times with yourselves about where a film will be in five years or ten years. Oh well, yeah, well and, this is the discussion we had. Yeah. And then you get the, the reviews that are so... So uh, g- high now. Like 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 you you mentioned La La Land, yeah, you mentioned... Uh, yeah, gravity. Ra- and things. You no, mentioned that, even The Revenant, for yeah, example. That people might be slightly embarrassed to have given five such stars uh, adulation at certain points. And I think I'll put this to my... What seems to be never-ending list of these films. That I think I'll be... Like Andrew said earlier, proven right because only my opinion matters. Um, <laughs> exactly. At, at some point in five years time, I'd, I'd look and say, "Guys, remember we gave five stars?" Like, uh, yeah, I don't see why. We're a crash. That yeah. seems like the best example. Yeah, <laughs> the, uh, but I think most people that knew anything about film knew that Crash wasn't very good, though. Yeah. Uh, Come on, Aaron. I, I'm gonna back and look at the reviews. But, um, anyway, I, I don't think it's a great film. I think it's ambitious and it's interesting. I, but it's not I, yeah, a great I, film. I, I really liked it. I wouldn't put it on the list. I'm glad it exists, though, and I think that it would be better. I would rather see more blockbusters that look like this than yeah. blockbusters that don't. If that makes sense. We, 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 yeah. Like, this is the. I I feel towards this the same way that like some people feel towards Christopher Nolan. I love Christopher Nolan. I think he's a fantastic I like director. Nolan as well. But I think that like, even people who don't like Nolan, even people who have problems with him, there's a weird resistance to the idea that he's a better filmmaker than other filmmakers. Than he he makes films that it would be better if other people made movies in the same style which is to find their own voice yeah, yeah. and to make a blockbuster that speaks to them and their own themes their own interests and there's a weird sort of almost begrudgery around that and like while I don't like while I'm not a huge fan of Villeneuve um, while I think he has a great film in him but hasn't got there yet I don't begrudge people who love this film I, I no, think no, I mean, and I, I, I just think better or not there but I think it's just <laughs> I think modern instant classic Oh yeah, Regardless no, you're definitely right. is taking it well, a little I far. don't care if anyone else likes this movie. No, no, no. I really love no, this no, no, movie. No, 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 no. <laughs> All that like, matters, well, I mean, this is the five-year the, moratorium on yes, classics. Which we also have discussed we every have, so often. Yeah, which is the idea that you should take five years before you declare a film Let a, a film settle. Which is ironic I think Leonard Maltin has the same uh, view. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, I got there first. <laughs> but, I think, but I think we should wait till 2049 before we declare anything. I mean, I'll be dead, but the rest of you can figure it out. I'm not going to die. 
That's because you're a replicant, then. Yeah, that's because because you're a replicant. (laughs) Don't they die? Uh, (laughs) There were the open-ended models um, that came... The Nexus 8. They sound like close to the phone, doesn't it? Yeah, well, they had to rename. Um, They famously had to rename the Nexus 6 as the Nexus X. Because of that particular association, ah, yeah, okay. they didn't want Harrison Ford hunting you down and shooting your phone. So yeah, with that, Siri, mind, get him. <laughs> with that right. mind, then we'll we'll sort of uh, bid farewell. Jay, where can we find you online? If, uh, if people listen moaning to this podcast, about stuff on Twitter, and they want to know what film you're hating at this particular moment, they can find you at Jay Coyle. Cool, perfect. Uh, I will be moaning a lot, so you know, tuck in. I believe you may also be contributing to a magazine that's coming yes, out soon. Yes, uh, yeah. uh, the Emperor. Uh, yeah, I'm just in the process. I know it's going to kill me. I'll finish an article. So, but luckily, uh, we don't have that done. Right uh, yeah, I'm typing it as we speak. You're gaining, you're you're building exposure for yes. your work. Yeah. You're, um, you're, you're off market. That, that, that should be out very soon, so I should yeah. have that to Niall by tomorrow morning. Perfect. Um, and when you're listening to this, you should already have it. Yes. Um, so, Andrew, we can find you at... Um, A Q U I N N I U Q A. I don't know why I do this part of the show because I I'm I'm I, I'm not a content creator. If you're listening to this, you've already kind of got everything. You said. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. You can find me at Darren underscore Mooney. My book, Opening the X Files, is actually available. Yes. It's a physical it, thing people. you can hold. So please feel free to buy it, order it online, do it, buy the Kindle. Thank you. Thank this you. Very I bought it. It's good. Me too. Um, it's great. But uh, and they're oh, not. It'll make you not, laugh. It'll make you cry. Classic. It's unputdownable. <laughs> five stars. They're Only not, five years. It's great. They're not just saying that because I'm no, putting no, no, no. it. No, no, no. a gun to her head. <laughs> I couldn't. Pu- I couldn't put it down because I'm very slow at reading. Yeah. Um, and because Darren had glued the Kindle to my hand. Yeah. Um, you can follow the two fifty app two fifty. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, please get in touch with us. Let us know what you think. Take it easy, and we'll be back next week talking about Scarface. Ooh, bye, bye.